We are continuing this amazing series with my Costa Rica creators and friends and besties. And today we have on the podcast, Alyssa LeBlanc, who has a movie coming out this year called Divorce Bait. But today we are getting into all things psychedelic, mental health, fitness, the whole thing. So stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willett. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Allie, as I call you Allie, of course, your closest friends. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have you here to talk about everything from acting to fitness to mental health. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks. It's so good to see you again. <laughs> so fun. We had such a great time. And okay, so we've had on so far Valerie, Letha, Evan, and now you. And I just every single time I get on the podcast with you people, you Costa Rica people, it just brings back all of that energy that we experienced when we were in Costa Rica. Like I literally can't get back to another event fast enough with all of you. I feel the same way. And I'm so aware whenever I see your guys' faces or we talk in the chat, I'm just so aware that being on that trip put me on a different timeline. 100%. And I'm so glad for that. So glad. So you are an actress. You are also, I don't know if you want to say a psychedelic plant medicine advocate, but yet I guess we could say that because you suffered with depression and mental health issues for over 20 years, as you say, for no reason, like it wasn't anything that was caused and you thought there was no way to get out of this. And here you are thriving. So can you talk to my listeners about what you went through and how you got to where you're at today? Absolutely. So since I was a teenager, I just, I was depressed. I did have something happen to me. You know, I got bullied in school, which I think a lot of us have that, which did flip the switch to, I wasn't so happy anymore, but I mean, I was severely depressed. I was suicidal. My parents tried to put me on like Zoloft, which just made it worse. I tried anything, psychiatry, therapy. I did study spirituality in my twenties. Meditation helped some, but then I was drinking all the time, partying, you know, trying to take this pain away and was suicidal again around my Saturn return and just thought like, there's something wrong with me. My brain is broken. And then by the grace of God, ayahuasca came into my life. And in, I've taken, I've done many ceremonies, but in one ceremony, she removed the darkness from my brain and I was amazed. Okay. So you just said a lot, lot there to what listeners are going to be like, I have no idea what language she's talking about. So let's talk about the 20 years or so that you struggled with mental health issues. So that felt like a hopelessness. It felt like a darkness. Like, can you describe, because I want people to understand where you were so that they can fully understand what shifted by way of the ayahuasca ceremony and how, like how that kind of moves over. So 
How did it feel before, would you say, when you were struggling? It was definitely a hopelessness. And like you said previously, I lived in Los Angeles where I wanted to live. I had friends. I had boyfriends. My mom's amazing. I had good things in my life. I was, you know, having success in acting, but there would just be times it just felt hopeless. Like, and I hated the way I looked. I just felt, I would just feel this deep loneliness, even when I was around people. And it just felt like, yeah, my brain is broken and I will never get out of this. Just like a dark heaviness, a dark hopelessness. And this, that's how I'm feeling when you're sitting here talking about it. Like you're not connected to anything. You can't like you're there, but you can't touch it. That's kind of how I'm feeling as you're talking about that. That's exactly what it is. It's like, there'd be somebody that loved me in the bed next to me and I couldn't feel their love. Like it just felt like so lonely. And then, so I would start drinking because you feel better for a while. Or I went through, you know, party drug phase, which is makes it worse, but you're, then I would feel something for a couple hours. And then the next day, it was like being in hell. Do all the way back down again. Yeah. So how, like, what made you decide like, okay, I'm going to try ayahuasca. And did you have any intentions with the ayahuasca or goals? Or were you just trying to experiment with something new? Or like, what was your intention? Because I know a lot of people are talking about ayahuasca right now. And so like, what was your intention of taking that journey? My boyfriend at the time, we had, split up and his best friend had wanted to do ayahuasca and he went and did a ceremony and in the ceremony saw, felt my darkness, saw like an entity attached to me. And he basically dragged me the next week because he saw how depressed I was. I couldn't get off the couch. I was drinking every night. And I, at this point I was like, what do I have to lose? I didn't know that I was looking for it, but it calls when you're ready. Yeah. So you actually had a friend that took you. So I don't know if anyone of the other, maybe Bianca, she's supposed to record with me soon here. She's another creator that was on our trip or she actually (laughs) put together the trip too. (laughs) But I know that she'll probably want to talk about ayahuasca, but can you describe a little bit about what that ayahuasca process is? You called ayahuasca her, you called it a ceremony. Most people look at you know, quote unquote drugs or psychedelics as being, I want to get high. I want to party. I want to have a good time. And that is not what I was going to say. So can you talk to us a little bit about (laughs) your your ayahuasca experience and what that looks like? Because it's very, very different than that. It's not a per se good time until the end. (laughs) But yes, and it's different every time. So, and it's different for everybody, but mainly like you sit in a ceremony, you you fast for 24 hours, you do some prayers with the shaman and everyone else and you drink this disgusting tea. And within like an hour, you know, you start to see visuals, like the cool psychedelic stuff. And then you go into the depths of your soul. And at that point, I saw the devil because I was in a very dark place. And you face all the horrible things that you've been shoving down. And it's not fun. You can't get away from it. But if you know that facing it is going to disperse it, you start to see why those things are in your life. And then afterwards, you feel this love. Like it's a mother, a grandmother medicine 
it's like having your mom wrap her arms around you when you were a baby and you just feel like so held. So held. Yeah. And it was funny because I was telling my friend who's very not like us and I was ex- describing <laughs> ayahuasca and she was like, and you pay for this? <laughs> I'm like, and sometimes you could like throw up and have to go to the bathroom. Like it's very... It can be a very detoxifying, explosive experience. And that is why it is also led by someone who is very educated in this. This isn't something you do at your house or at a party or at a rave. This is something that is done in a very special environment with a leader who knows how to handle all of this because as you're describing, as you're looking at, like you said, the devil and all the things that you stuff down, which I've talked about stuffing things down on this podcast a million times, like you can't stuff it down. It will come back up, right? It's the buttons that everyone can push is the shit that you stuff down. So as you're going and looking at that, you need someone to help you walk through all of these things. So like, how long does the ceremony last? Like what happens at the end of it? Like, do you have a takeaway from it? Is it each one different? Describe that if you don't mind. Yeah. So most ceremonies are about six hours. Although there's been times when I've taken three cups and it was like 12 hours and time doesn't exist when you're in this reality. Like it's crazy. And you do throw up or some people, you know, in their pants. It's not a first date. Let's put it that this is not a first date that we're going on so much. (laughs) This, this is you go alone. (laughs) Yes. But afterwards, if you do the work and this is to say, it's not just a magic pill, you could take the medicine and see stuff in your mind and not try to ask her questions, try to figure it out, run away and nothing will happen for you. But if you do the work, Afterwards, like they have these little, they call them little doctors. And they're these little beings in the medicine that you feel scanning your body. And I heard them say, wow, she's really sick. Like I heard it in my head and I felt them removing like the depression and this darkness. And afterwards I was so happy, like light. It was a lightness of something that had, I had been holding onto for 20 years was just gone. Yeah. When you were done doing this first ceremony, did you feel, because I know that there's going to be a lot of people listening that either know of someone who struggles with addiction, alcoholism, self-hatred, self-loathing, which I think is where a lot of addiction issues come in, you know, is you have the self-loathing, you want to escape that self-loathing. People have told you, you know, shit about yourself and you just don't want to hear it anymore. So you drink to make it all go away, whatever the reason is, right? So I know a lot of people are going to be listening that know of someone who struggles with this. When you came out of like, let's say that first ceremony, or you tell me how long before you started being like, I don't really want to get shit faced anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to drink every single night. Like how, what was that like? That's so interesting. You asked that because at this point I've done 30 ceremonies. Holy shit. Yes. It sounds crazy. She's my medicine. Like she's like my thing. And the first ceremony, there was friendships that I felt I couldn't be around certain people anymore, but I was working at a, this was like five years ago. I was working at a bar. So at first I didn't want to drink and the medicine's making me high. But then if you don't integrate correctly, there was times when I started to go back into those patterns. So 
it probably was about maybe 15 ceremonies in where now alcohol to me, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I will have an occasional glass of wine and it usually makes me feel like shit. Wow. So from drinking every night to now I'm, I'd say I'm sober curious. Like it's like, I don't want to drink anymore, but there's times when I'm at a party and it's being around that energy, but I was, it's made alcohol. Like it's done something where it just, my body's like repulsed by it. Yeah. So it's like a poison, but a poison you're willing to touch every once in a blue moon. And then the next day I feel, and I'm like, why? Like I, it's like, I know. So it's, it's like, I know that it's poisonous. Exactly what you said. So it's more like a conscious choice. It's like, if I'm choosing to do this, but she definitely changed me from drinking every night and you know, I can't drink vodka. I can't drink anything else. Yeah. Now it would be sick. So there's a lot of people now that are getting into ketamine. I don't know if you know what ketamine is. It's like done under a doctor's supervision. You go to a clinic, there's nurses. I think it's like an IV of some sort. And I know that they're trying to use that for addiction, depression, anxiety. And that's, of course, <laughs> costs a lot of money. It's done with, you know, Western medicine. But I think it's under the same idea of opening the mind. And so when you're talking about the fact that you did this ayahuasca ceremony and it kind of filtered through, it pulled out, it removed, it cleaned up. And then when you kind of came out of it, or you continue to come out of these different ceremonies, what I'm seeing in you is not only the lightness, but also the connectedness. Like all of a sudden you're recognizing that there's nothing that you have to do. You are already connected. Like it's already your birthright to be connected. And I think that that's a lot of times what depression and anxiety and addiction can be is feeling so alone on this planet that it's like this self-loathing, self-hatred, hopelessness, wherein what you get to see when you're inside of a ceremony of ayahuasca and these psychedelics is this full connectedness, not only to other people, but to the universe, to yourself, to love, to like, it's not as heavy as we make it as humans. And it's like, you're shown that you're shown the truth through these ceremonies, which I find amazing. Oh, I love how you described that. Yeah. I I actually did a mushroom ceremony with a friend last weekend and by ceremony, it was just the two of us, but Mm -hmm. we still had intentions. It it was funny because we were starting to notice that like, it felt like we were controlling other people at the beach. Like, it's like you said, it's this like connectedness and you just see, you can see like line, you can see like lines in the air and, and exactly what you said, you just feel connected. You feel connected. And I think that opens a part of the brain that maybe is shut down, you know, birth through age 20 or whatever, where it's like, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you, did you, you know, did you get a D? Did you get a C? Are you a good person? Are you a bad person? Are you too fat? Are you too thin? Do you have the right clothes? Like all the things that society puts on us, it's, it just makes us feel disconnected. It makes us feel like there's something we need to do to get love that we are not born or wake up worthy. And it's like, when I was talking to Lauren a couple, let's see, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. On the podcast, she was talking about like, you know, using plant medicine and it just kind of like opening and checking in versus alcohol 
And I don't know, pot checking out. Like it's a huge check in, right? Wow. I love that. I love that. That is exactly what it is. You're checking in with yourself and, and stuff comes up. Like we've all talked about like those, uh, the golden teachers, how it's like, it tells you what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's, that's exactly what it is. It's checking in. Where am I at? How am I feeling? What am I ignoring? Yeah. Whereas alcohol just numbs it all and it stuffs it down even deeper. And Evan was on the podcast last week and we were talking about all of these different things like, why do I drink? And, and, you know, the habits and how we got here to where we get so obliterated and now it's become a norm and a societal norm that you just, you walk in, you grab a drink and you start getting shit face. And every time you're around people, you're drunk and you don't sleep and you wake up and you feel bad. Like it's literally become a part of our norm in society is to check out of the life that we live inside of, that we created, that we don't even like. And so we can't wait till five o'clock so we can escape the life that we live in and that we've created. And it's so it's this constant evacuation of the life that we're living inside of. And the thing that I think is so cool, and I'm sure why plant medicine is completely illegal, is because it allows connectedness to self in a way that I don't think anything else does. Maybe fitness, maybe fitness. Because I feel when when I'm walking, when I'm lifting weights, you have to be super present. Mm -hmm. But then what, what do we do? We put on music, right? We have music, right? So then we're still over here in the other side of our brain, distracted from self. Like I literally, as I'm sitting here talking to you, unless you're like walking through nature with no music on, no podcast on, no nothing on, we are constantly fucking checked out, constantly checked out. That is so interesting that you said that. Cause like I work out every single day and I go hiking with my dog in the morning and I love it. And I always got to listen to something. And sometimes I'll turn off my music for 10 minutes. Cause I'm like, I want to like working on being more present, but then it's like, why does that feel so uncomfortable? And it's so beautiful where we, I mean, I live in Los Angeles. There's these right. beautiful trails. It's sunny. I got my dog who I love more. He's the cutest. And like, there's this, it's almost like a panic. And it's like, what, it, what are we trying to shove down? Or what is it that I'm sad and I don't want to look at it? Or that we're just so used to like, if, like I listen to a lot of podcasts, like other people's ideas right. in our head, you know, like, what about, what do we think about yeah. life? Yeah. And I mean, like, think about like, I think that the way that we're going to start steering and I was talking with Evan about this is as we move away from the baby boomers, Gen X idea of you start a career, you stay in that career for 30 years, you suck it up, you've got a pension, you stay married, marriage is everything, you you know, you, the house, the, the dog, the kids, and then you die. Right. And so that is that very Gen X baby boomer generational thinking. But as we move forward to the millennials and the, I think we're going to Gen Y, I don't even know anymore. I'm losing track, but where they're like, oh yeah, this job sucks. I'm out. I don't care if I've worked here two days, this relationship sucks. You're my partner. I don't care. I don't need to get married. I don't need to have kids. I don't need to be a part of a religion. I don't need to buy a house. I can live in a van down by the river. We are changing the way that 
the world exists as far as the daily life. And I think as we move into a 24 hour cycle, seven day a week cycle of happiness, I think we're going to move farther and farther away from checking out because we don't need to check out. Yeah. Right. And as we're breaking these generational curses with our generation, me to my children and understanding therapy and narcissism and gaslighting and toxic behavior and toxic masculinity and all of these things, right, that we never even had verbiage for five years ago, but because TikTok and social media is bringing about all these new ideas that you don't have to stay in a shitty place for even five seconds, right? Yeah. I think that we're we're changing the way literally every human being exists on the planet because having the McMansion and the McCar isn't the goal anymore. Time off, you know, mental health, well-being, positive partnerships. Like we're changing the way, like women aren't being dialed in to depend on men anymore. Like we're, we're teaching our younger daughters, like have your own career. Like you don't need to marry to leave your parents' house. Like we're changing things so much. And I do think that plant medicine is going to be a huge part of even bringing us from where we were to where we're going along with, you know, all of this information that we're getting. I think it's 100% a way of the future. And that's probably why they're so afraid of, I mean, think about when I was a kid, it was like, if you take LSD, it is going to like lodge in your spine. And when, Uh, when you have a husband and two kids and your life is great, you're going to jump out of a third story window and kill yourself. (laughs) That is literally the life I've been living for 49 years is that if I did LSD, I would go right now and just (laughs) jump out that bathroom window because that's what fucking happens to you. And so, Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like we have been brainwashed and they have been keeping us away, but go ahead and have the alcohol. Go and have the cigarettes. What? Go have some cocaine, which is illegal, but it's like more sometimes like socially acceptable. But that'll make you do crazy shit because I actually (laughs) think the alcohol and the cocaine make you leave your body and something else comes in. You're not you and plant medicine. You are you because just like, Oh my God, I love everybody. And love is the answer. And it sounds so corny and cliche, but when you're like in that, it's like, Oh my God, it really is about love, mm-hmm. which I try to remember when I come back to this reality, Right, but it's hard, but it's, yeah, you're right. I, I heard those stories. I used to think if I do yeah. psychedelics, I'm going to jump off a building because I'm going to think I can fly. And think about it. Like, I mean, Alcohol is legal and pot has not been legal, right? And like, I, I don't know where I heard it, but it was like, no bar fight ever started with, can you pass the joint, right? It's like, no, <laughs> no guys out there beating the hell out of his wife because he just smoked a bowl. I mean, it's just not happening. However, comma, go ahead and drink a fifth of vodka, right? From the gas station (laughs) and see what that does to your, you know, bar fight or your relationship, et cetera. Like, it's almost like they want us to keep be in a state of depression, anxiety, you know, sadness, disconnectedness, you know, I mean, 
I don't care how nice of a person are you are. If you drink the fifth of anything, if you drink a 12 pack of beer, eventually shit's going to go bad because your brainstem is going to be shut down. You know, your brain function is going to be completely off. And instead of being relaxed and calm and chill, you're going to be like a lunatic because your decision-making is out the window with alcohol. And so like, I just love... I love where we're headed as a country. I love where we're headed as a world, as far as these types of things. And the information is getting out there. The podcasts are bringing it. The social media is bringing it to more and more people because, you know, unfortunately I forget, I think California, you might know it's on Lauren and I were talking about it after we hit stop on the recording. I think that on native American reservations, you can do plant medicine ceremonies in the United States. So if someone's listening and they were interested in that, I think that's an option too is native reservations. I don't know. if yeah, There's a, you could, there's some like people you can get like a I think you're correct. You you might have to get a license right. like, to say that you're practicing. And there is one church that I have not been to, but it's called the Church of Ayahuasca and it's in Florida. Oh, and okay. I've heard good things about it. I think maybe that's how they tied in. And I want to just say that if you are going to do plant medicine, please make sure that the shaman is integrated. If you, you know, are on medications, they will talk with you to make sure that you're off them for a certain period of time, because that can interact dangerously with the medicine. Okay. Yeah. So there was something, Oh, integration. When you were saying, if you don't integrate, and I know like Lauren was talking about, she has a book about psychedelics and integration. So explain quickly what you mean by integration when you say, well, yeah, you can drink the tea and be like, "Ah, don't give a shit and leave and be like done, or you can integrate and make it work for you. What does that mean? Basically, it means that all the things you learn from the medicine, you want to bring back into your normal life. So if you feel triggered by your family, you're going to remember to love them and, you know, not to react in a certain way. And it also means that a lot of times the medicine will tell you it was telling me not to work in bars anymore. It was telling me not to be friends with certain people. Mm. And when I ignored that, I started heading down that same path again, because you're going to want to belong to the people you're around. And when I did stop hanging out with people I wasn't vibrating with, I felt lighter and I attracted different people. So yeah, yeah, it's listening to your soul and changing. Yeah. I remember I went to this, um, it was 50 bucks at a hotel and they were doing like mass hypnosis to quit smoking back when I was like 19 or something. And I literally walked out of there and had a cigarette. Like that is the (laughs) (laughs) anti-integration. I was like, that didn't work cigarette like but but it's almost like when you're talking about ayahuasca and like you're learning things just like you would in hypnosis but it's up to you if you really want to take that with you if you really want to change your life this is not a tummy tuck (laughs) this is a meal plan you have to do the meal plan to get where you want to go. You're not going to wake up with a flat stomach just because you did ayahuasca. You know, you're going to have to do what it takes, as you're saying, to integrate the experience, integrate the knowledge, integrate the awareness and the love so that it actually does what you wanted it to do when you went down with the intention. So you have to make the changes. You're not going to just wake up and be like, oh, you know, it's, 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 you yeah. have to do the work. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like the work of keeping your vibration at that level. Cause afterwards you do feel really good because you're at a higher vibration. But it's like you said, if you're around things that are lower vibration, again, 
you're just going to acclimate to that. You're going to go right back to it. Yeah. And that's so true. Like, and I, I do notice, like I am after our retreat in Costa Rica and we had the most amazing experience. I don't think that any of us will ever forget doing the hike to the waterfall and then doing Qigong in the freaking rainforest with it raining on us. Like what is going, I was literally like magical and the water is just coming down and it didn't even phase any of us. Like it was just so freaking amazing. And there's just, there's just such a magical thing about being on a retreat. And like, I think it was you that I was talking to when we were walking, it was like, we don't know anyone. We've never been here before. Remember we had that conversation and I was like, it's so surreal because like you don't have point of reference of who you are. You don't have anything tethering you to your past or tethering you to what you should be. It's like you and I and all the people on our retreat were like, had total freedom to explore and experience. I mean, I literally, I've said it be here before, cry every single day and be emotional and be vulnerable and be scared and ask the questions. And like, there's just something magical and talking about integration. I remember, I I think you were probably there when Walter was talking about, I've been on a lot of retreats and you leave here for like a month and you're like flying high but it's about integrating what we've learned here, you know? And I think that's with anything, like, even if it's just a podcast, what have you learned? How are you going to integrate it? You know, like you might learn that sugar is bad for you. And yeah, you can like learn that and then go downstairs and eat a candy bar, or you can go, okay, how can I change my life with this new bits of information? How do I integrate this for a positive outcome? And I think so many people are, they get into ruts where people, and I did a whole podcast on that. If you knew me, then you can't see me now because so often we are defined by the people of our past and it's hard to get out of their gaze. Mm -hmm. It's hard to stop being who you were when you're around people who knew you then. Right. And that that's so important to, like you were saying, I can't be around those people anymore. And so often we need to get away from people that we do vibrate old self when we're around them. Sometimes these relationships are, I think as we level up the relationships fall away. I really do. That's happened to me so many times on this path and it's, it's so hard, but then sometimes I feel like you look at it as maybe those people were helping me to learn this one thing. Yeah. To get to the next level so it can be, you know, beautiful and you can be grateful. But yes, they absolutely fall away as we level up. And some people come with us and some people don't, but you cannot keep yourself small Mm-mm. because of comfort. Yeah. I always look at it like when someone does fall away or even like, so like your family, right? Like they kind of don't go away, but maybe your triggers with them go away. Right. So it might not be them, but it might be a trigger where they say the same thing they've always said, but now you don't give a shit or maybe a friend falls away. And so I always look at those things as kind of like gears as to like, where am I at? Where am I at? What am I doing? Like, am I leveling up? Am I like giving a shit less? Because I really believe that being truly woke means completely not giving a shit. Like, it's just like this, like, (laughs) 
you can call me an asshole. You can say I'm a bad mom. You can say whatever. Like, I just like, I know who I am and I'm not going to be triggered by you. And so I just look at when these things are falling away. And so many people are like, oh my God, we've been best friends for 20 years and we're not speaking anymore. I'm like, yeah, because you remind them of who they are not. And so, right. And they remind you of who you can't be anymore. Like, holy shit. Right. Oh my God. That's so true. And that reminds me of that. Have you heard the thing about crabs in a pot? When one tries to get out, they pull each other back down. I think people do that to us when they're not willing to grow, because like you said, they don't want to face the fact that they could be different and they could have a different life. Yep. Totally. And I, I mean, I just find it mesmerizing how all of this stuff is just there for us now. Like it's there and you bring it. So Allie is on TikTok, Allie, uh, Alyssa LeBlanc, eleven eleven. She's on TikTok and on Instagram at ALY bunny. And you do a lot of awareness videos through like comedic, <laughs> like you're like, you do a lot of comedy, but it's like comedy mixed with spirituality, mixed with awakening, mixed with, I mean, it just, you blend it all together as like this great, like making fun of yourself, making fun of certain things, like, in, like it just with love to, to bring awareness to what we're all got kind of going through right now. Thank you. Yeah. Because that's another thing on the spiritual path. It's like, you can take it so seriously. Yes. And last yes. week when I was doing mushrooms with a friend, I had something happen to me when I was 12, like a sexual thing that I think I was thinking I was over, you know, it would come up in ayahuasca ceremonies, but I finally like was able to let it go and like laugh about it. Mm. And my friend was like, that's the cosmic joke. Like, I think in spirituality, we take it so seriously, but really when we're dead and not here anymore, it's like the stuff you say, when you talk to dead people, we're going to see it wasn't that big of a deal. So when you're not triggered, like if I'm able to laugh at this thing, I know that I'm fully over it. Yeah. Like it seemed horrible, but now it's just, so that's why I want to bring lightness to spirituality because we get so mired in the it's so hard and I need to evolve. And it's like, no, no. Like I said, when you stop caring, when you're laughing, that's why when I do videos on forgiveness and people are like, I don't need to forgive. Why do you say that? Everyone always talks about forgiveness and I don't need to forgive. I let it go. I'm like, yeah, I can tell. I can tell. (laughs) You're real chill about that shit. I can tell you've completely let it go. And that's the thing. Like you wouldn't be triggered by it if you had really let it go. You really haven't forgiven. You really haven't let it like forgiven means I don't give a shit about it. anymore. I don't give a shit about you. I don't give a shit about it. I don't give a shit about any. You can use the word forgiveness. You could use the word late for dinner. You could use the word whatever the fuck you want to use. I don't care what you call it because I have truly it does. It literally doesn't even exist in my experience. And so when people get triggered by the word forgiveness and forgiveness is never for the other person, this isn't picking up the phone and going, I forgive you. (laughs) Right. It's that's not for them. I forgive you in my whole self. Right. I am laughing at the whole thing inside of self. I am letting it go. I do not care about it. This trigger does not live inside of me. So you can call it whatever you want. I've truly let it go. And it is a gift to self. And I love like that's what I love about your comedy and and the way and you're an actress. So, of course, 
you bring it like professionally and really well done and actually edited on like any of my videos. I mean, cause this girl, she's been in shameless. She's been in Californication. Like she's doing it right guys. Like she's like full on LA, but she brings this energy to TikTok, to Instagram, to her followers. And it's a fun way of looking at spirituality and plant medicine and change and awakening and all of the things in a very different light than maybe another creator brings it. So that's, I love the way that you bring that energy to maybe, maybe even newcomers, you know what I mean? Maybe people that are going through an awakening or the dark night of the soul or whatever it is. And are like, what is happening to me? And they watch your video and it's like, oh, that's what's happening. Okay. Right. I mean, but that's what you do. You bring it, you make it fun, which I love. Thank you. Yeah. It's like that thing where you realize that, you know, more than like, you might not be fully awakened, but there was a time when you were where that person was. And I feel like we're all just that whole thing about we're walking each other home. Like, I love what you said about realizing the spiritual awakening. Like my Saturn return, I did not know what was going on. It wasn't until later. I was like, oh, that was a Saturn return. Everything was blowing up, but I wish I I had someone be like, yeah, your life's going to fall apart. And (laughs) it's just nice when people can show you that we're not dying. You're not dying. It's <laughs> so good once you get through this. Yeah, you're not dying. And you're really into human design too. Oh, I yeah. interviewed on the podcast a while back. Her, uh, her name's Karen Metcalf. So it'll be in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to that. And she does human design with people. Like you can schedule an appointment with her and she will do your entire human design chart so that you don't have to sit there and figure the damn thing out. But you're really into that. We talked a lot about human design all week. Like, are you a generator? Are you a this? Like, you know about that stuff. And I really think that knowing your human design, because I did my chart after the interview, but Knowing your human design, I think really gives you kind of like a pass or an allowance or whatever to truly step into who you are unapologetically. Like my human design shows that I lead and teach people by way of my voice, like my throat. Uh, I don't know what I, I forget what I am. I have it written down somewhere, but I just remember like, it's like, no, it's not your fault. Like you can't help but talk. You can't help but lead and teach people by way of your voice. So that's why you're on TikTok and that's why you have a podcast. And that's why you talk. Like I think about like even doing, cause I do energy work and I'd much rather talk to somebody instead of doing energy work on them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just, it makes you unapologetically who you are when you see that that's literally just what you were born into. And you're really big on that. Like what's one takeaway that you would say that knowing your human design kind of like switched in you. Oh my God. So I'm a generator, which means that we're supposed to do things that make us happy. And that actually lifts up the world. And it just gave me so much more permission because I can always feel in my body when I'm like, I could do this. I have the energy to do this as a generator, but I just don't want to do it. And once I realized that when I just say yes to things that light me up, life got better and I'm better for the people around me. Cause I'm going to bring more to what I'm bringing. It just, it gives you permission yeah. to be yourself and you can relax about the stuff you're not good at. You're like, that's not me. It's not me. And I will tell you that just in life, making very clear cut decisions of, I don't want to do that has been a game changer. Like 
I think we just were brought up in a society or whatever it is. I don't even know. Maybe it's being a female who knows that you just have to do all the things you have to finish everything. You start, you have to see things through, you can't be a quitter. And it's like, no, I don't want to do this. I am actually quitting it because it is bringing me down and taking away from everywhere else in my life. Like it's mind blowing to thinking that like we were shamed if we quit anything. Like sometimes you just don't want to keep doing something because it freaking sucks. Right. What? Why are we taught that? And we're taught to do everything that everybody else wants to do. Like we're yes. not. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, and that video you made the other day on TikTok, you were saying what you learned from doing all the readings. I think that was one of the things you said that the dead people are like, stop. Like you were like, I will never do what I don't want to do anymore. I'm not doing what I don't want to do. Like I will even take the laundry out of the dryer and leave it. Like I'll throw it so it doesn't get wrinkled until I'm ready to fold it. Like little things like this morning I I went for my walk. I wasn't ready to do the dishes. When I came back from my walk, I was invigorated. So I did the dishes, like even little things like that, because I don't want to have resentment in my life. And when you do things you don't want to do, it creates a pattern of resentment, period. That's how we are in relationships too. Cause we do things that we don't want to do. And then we resent that person yep. and then they feel they have to do something because we did that. And it's like, why are we, why are we doing living like that? I know it's so crazy. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This has been stupid fun. I think we've got a ton of nuggets on this podcast of just amazing, awesome stuff that people are going to just be like combing through forever. All of Allie's stuff, all of the way to find her on Instagram and TikTok. Again, her movie coming out this year, Divorce Bait. And you can see her on Shameless, Californication. Reach out to her if you have questions on ayahuasca. I'm sure she'd be happy to answer any questions that you have on plant medicine or, you know, maybe where she went to do her ayahuasca 30 trips or what do they call that ceremonies in. I think she might know what she's talking about, but thank you so much. It's so nice to see you. When are we all getting together? You know, we got to get the band back together as they say, because I am missing everybody, but thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. So fun. All right, guys, I will see you here next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.